My name is Sonia Brock, and I'm podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I was asked to do a dissertation, if you will, on the emotional mental state of depression. Now, this doesn't come easy because I've had some severe depressions in my time, and uh, I've come through them, but remembering them is not something I like to do. Words started to pop into my head when seeking definitions, some way to circle this thing with words, and the first one that popped up was inertia, of the property of a body which makes it resist a change in motion. Tendency for a body to resist acceleration and a body at rest to remain at rest. It's one of the first things that seems typical. It's this lack of will, this feeling of defeat, which makes it almost impossible to move in a purposeful fashion in any direction. You're stuck in a state of inertia. Vague thoughts of suicide may come through the head, but hey, it requires effort. It's too much trouble. I can't do anything, so I certainly can't do that. The idea is attractive, but you can't act on it. You're in a state of suspended animation, if you will. Another thing I remember is a feeling of pain pain very like the pain of grief. Grief over what? I don't know, because everything is suddenly painted black. Everything you've ever done, anything you might want to do, everyone you've ever known, every action you can remember taking is painted over with a patina of blackness. If you're grieving, I guess you're grieving for the loss of hope. If depression is bad, in a way, in a strange way, it's comforting. You don't have to do anything because you can't do anything and don't have to repair any wrongs you may have done because they cannot be repaired and so you're in a sort of backwater of the soul. If, as often happens, Depression comes on the heels of a relatively, in my case, brief manic phase, then all of your spiritual energies, all the vitality of your person has been used up. You're out of funds at the energy bank and you're tired and you can't do anything and you shouldn't do anything. On the positive side of depression, it's a good thing to be able to sit and concentrate on something really small and unimportant. It's a good time to sort your button collection or do cross-stitch or crossword puzzles, which are sort of an exercise in spinning your wheels and getting nowhere. I knew of a fellow in New York City, he lived across the street, you know, down the way a bit. And I'd met him a few times. I didn't particularly take to him, but I'd met him. And I was acquainted more particularly with his wife. And a friend of mine was, was a good friend of hers. And he was a severe manic depressive. 
And when he was manic, he could do anything. He could run for public office. Everything was going to be fine, fine, fine. It was the mirror image of depression, the, 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 the contrasting mirror image. And energy, he had gangs of energy. He could do anything, anytime. He could stay up all night. It made no difference. And then, boom, then came the depression, and he'd go in his room, and the shades would be drawn, and he'd be in there in a sort of a personal black hole and stay there for months while he recouped the energy he'd so prodigally wasted during his manic phase. And upstairs on, on one's in Second Street in New York, a lady and her husband lived, and she was a very capable person. She was a nurse. And he was young, so he was still getting gearing into his profession. In a manic phase, he signed up for all kinds of college courses because he could do anything, and time meant nothing, and he would cram it all in, and so forth and so on. And then reality hit, and he spiraled down, and he disappeared for a week. Worried her half to death. She was not worried about him being gone, and she worried about all the money that he'd wasted on signing up for these courses at university. And he couldn't take them, and he couldn't do them, and they settled it out somehow. But that's how that sort of thing works. I was never that that bad. I tended to be fairly mild in my swings, and depressions lasted longer than than the manic phases. One thing's for certain, when this thing comes upon you, this black dog, as Churchill used to call it, you can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's a fallacy. Cheer up, chins up, all that jazz doesn't have any effect at all because there is no positive. How can you be positive? Meds help. Meds are essential. I went to a shrink in Toronto who was into chemical therapy, and he felt that with the right combination of chemicals and no one was exactly sure how they worked, A, you could sort of get back on course, as it were. Well... He was right after a fashion. He used to say, when I asked him about some of the side effects of these things, quality of life is more important than quantity of life. He had a point there, even if it was a rather gloomy one. So meds work, and I've been on them most of my life. During these times when I was employed, when these things would hit me, I don't think I ever missed a day of work. It's a question of you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, but faith, you have faith that there is light at the end of the tunnel, even though it's very far away and you can't see it. So you just put one foot in front of the other on faith and keep moving and keep some kind of normalcy going in your life uh, to do the dishes, to go to work, one foot in front of the other. 
to think of going to work is an impossibility. You couldn't possibly get there, but one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, through the morass, and then almost miraculously, there you are. And you're working because work is a routine. It's, it's something that you memorized a long time ago. You don't really have to think too much. You just do what you've always done, so that works very well with inertia. Surprisingly, whether you're up, down, or sideways, people are so involved in their own personal universes, they almost never notice that you're whacked out with depression or up there with... Well, they may notice the manic phase, because then I tended to organize things around the office, but uh, actually they kind of welcomed that, because not too many people were doing it. And it all worked out in the end. In depression, you don't have much appetite. Your appetite is depressed. Your sleep cycle is affected, so you tend to sleep too much and nap a lot into depressed phases and stay up too much if you're manic. This sleeping is actually a good thing because I think the mind is kind of healing itself during the process. A girlfriend of mine was very depressed because her on-and-off affair with Bob the Boob, I don't remember his last name, we always called him Bob the Boob, her affair with him had, had ended and she was feeling very depressed and she was living at that time in a high-rise apartment building and I think she may have been 15 or 20 floors up. She would go out to her balcony and think about suicide but I had talked to her. I knew the symptoms of depression. I saw what was going on. I saw that she couldn't go out. She couldn't be with people. She couldn't even go shopping. I I, I just recognized the signs, and I told her the story of another Bob who I had happened to be married to in Detroit, Michigan, who, in a fit of depression, jumped off a bridge over the Detroit River, perhaps showing a conscious amount of sense. He had jumped too close to the shore. He did indeed land in the water, but not over his head, and he wasn't swept away or anything. What he was is up to his ass in mud. And a cop had to come in a boat and drag him out and get him to shore, and got, the cop got his uniform all dirty, and he was really, really mad. As a sort of mantra, when she went out on her balcony and contemplated leaping off, she would say to herself over and over, up to my ass in mud. Up to my ass in mud. Which wasn't a very appealing prospect, so she never did jump. Another thing that tends to go with the depression, I mentioned uh, fear of crowds or fear of being in a public place. You feel like you've got this huge spotlight beaming down on you, burning you, and, and anyone that comes anywhere close to you burns you, and it, it's bad. But that's a symptom. And if you're talking to someone, even if it's someone you know fairly well, you tend to look down and not to meet their eye and to talk in a rather low voice. My old man in New York City was unemployed. He was suffering from 
more like an anxiety-related illness than depression, but I recognized some of the symptoms. He was a con man by nature, and I told him how he could con people into thinking he was in a depressed state. So I told him, you know, about the lowered voice and looking down and thinking that nothing will ever work out well and, and everything you do is wrong and that there's absolutely no hope and on it goes and it never ends and blah, blah. And he went to the doctor and he, he was good at following instructions. He, he presented such a silhouette of depression that uh, he was immediately diagnosed as, as having, you know, clinical depression and they got him to do some shrink stuff and they, they didn't put him on meds or if he did, he threw him away. They got him involved in a program to go to college. He was nervous about that because he wasn't that smart. I entered the program and got my high school equivalency and a grant to go to college and I went to Pace for two years, which really pissed him off. He had, in the anxiety form, a kind of depression and was actually helped by the medical attention he got. What they call anxiety attacks are not so good. I've had them. It becomes difficult to breathe and your heart races and you get all tight. Eventually it goes away. He had a form of that. I thought this particular podcast would be hard to do because it's not something I like to talk about. There's a shame attached to any form of mental illness and you're not supposed to confess to it and you're supposed to hide it and all that kind of stuff. But I don't hide it that much. I, I don't get up on a platform and announce it. But most of the people I know well are aware that I've had my problems so over time. I'm in a fairly good spot now. I Thank goodness I'm, I'm just trudging along, going into my golden years and just doing what I do. And I keep myself very busy, and, and I don't miss working at an office at all. I've got my own work to do here. In any case, that's all she wrote. This is Sonia Brock, podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I can be reached through my website at www.soniabrock.com.